Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And so now he goes to Gaza. And what is it that he sees? He says he saw a harlot. And this is the second time at least we see this word because we know that in Judges 14, the first time in Samson's career, we hear this word where he went down to Timnah, which was another city of, of, of the Philistines, Philistines, and he saw a woman there. And the idea behind this word saw is he just didn't look at her. He studied her. He looked at her. You know the difference. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins our study in chapter 16 of the book of Judges. It starts out with Samson acting on temptation of his lusts once again. The scripture says he saw a harlot in Gaza. This is a clear example of how a man so used of God can also sin and sin blatantly. Samson did what we all do when deceived by sin. He put his life into categories and figured that some categories God cared about and some categories God did not care about. Understanding that Jesus has claim over our entire life is a radical change we must surrender to. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Why don't we go ahead and open up to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16 is the very last chapter of one of the last judges. That's if you don't include Samuel. Uh, the prophet Samuel could be considered a judge. The first prophet and certainly, or maybe not the first prophet, but the um, certainly the last judge perhaps. But, but Samson, we see here, he's the, the last um, judge in a period of seven years in the life of the children of Israel as they have come out of Egypt. And, but he's the last of, this, uh, of, these, uh, of the judges of this seven, seven period. So we're in the seventh period now. And we, as we look at Samson's life, we see a, a man who had great potential we see a man whom God had given great gifts to, and we also see a man who was governed not by so much the consecration of, of God, but he was led more by his passions and his desires. And whenever a person is led by their passions and their desires more so than God himself, that person is headed in the wrong direction and ultimately will end in not so good of a place. And Samson was one of those individuals. He was, he was a man who was guided by his eyes. And, and, and gentlemen tonight, and for those watching, men, I would encourage you to learn the life, learn from the lessons from the life of, of Samson. 
Because if we go through, as we have gone through these chapters where we speak of him and his ministry, if we don't learn from him, we have missed a very valuable lesson. And I believe this lesson of Samson could be preached continually. Every single week we could be on Samson's life and it would be good for us, men and women, because we know that um, women can be led by their eyes as well. They can be led by, led by their emotions. So they're, they are not exempt from these lessons either. But guys, especially for you, because men are, unfortunately, we are, most of us are governed by what we see. We're, we're, we're very visual, graphic-based. <laughs> we see things. Women, some women are that way, some women are not. Not all men are that way, but to an extent, Samson was one of those individuals, and so we have much to learn from him. It's been said of him that Samson was a man of faith, but he certainly wasn't a faithful man. And why wasn't he a faithful man? Because he went against the things that God had forewarned him about. Samson went against those things that he knew were wrong. He went against the law of God purposefully willingly went against what God had spoken in his word. And yet, look at the grace of God, how even in Samson's life, God could use this man, even with all of his uh, issues, even with all of his faults. And we all have them, don't we? We can never look at Samson and say, I'm, I, I could never be like that, because maybe you would say that, but you'd be tripping over something else that you haven't really considered in your own life. And so we have to remember that we got to be careful about these kinds of things, because we all have those things in our lives, Achilles heels. And blessed are you if you know what those things are right now, because many of you have been battling with them for years, perhaps decades. And never give up, because guess what? As long as you have air going through those lungs of yours, you are going to struggle with sin. In fact, I I would be willing to say that the longer you walk with Jesus, the more your relationship with him deepens. Rather than feeling more holy, you're going to actually feel more decrepit. You're going to feel more unworthy as you get closer to him, because it's going to be, that's just the way it is. You could talk to anyone like Chuck Smith. You could talk to uh, Billy Graham. You could talk to our own pastor, Jeff Breed. And you can ask them, do you feel more holy now than you did when you first started? And they would all say, and I've heard them say it. I've talked to Bill Gallatin personally. All these men are like, the older I get, the closer I get. I don't necessarily feel more holy. I feel more unworthy. But I know my worth is not in myself. I know my worth is in him. And that is the secret. It's a simple act of faith. It's a simple belief that, God, what you said is true, and I adhere to that. I surrender to that, because I know within me, in and of my flesh, there lies no good thing. But I know with you, all things are possible. And in fact, because of your spirit dwelling within me, I have now the ability to resist sin, and I have the ability to turn to you, and I have the power to do it. Before, we were powerless. Did anybody have any great power before you came to Christ? If you were like me, I was, I was like a, a, a leaf that had been dropped in a very raging river. And that leaf was just going to and fro, getting stuck behind a rock, getting splashed, flying over, and then going down another channel and going off into some ebb and then coming back and being brought into the fray again and just all over the map, emotions everywhere, feelings everywhere. I look, you, just like splattered all over the place. 
Have you ever felt like your heart and your mind and your emotions were like splattered all over the place? You ever see those pictures of modern art where they'll take those really large fans, those industrial fans, and they'll put a big canvas on a wall like that size, and they'll take these big fans, and they'll just drip paint right behind the fan, and the, pa- the fan will draw that paint in and splatter it all over the wall. I hate to be so graphic because I'm a, I'm a man, right? So here, here it is. But, but our emotions can be like that if we're not careful. And such was Samson. And yet, for all of that, God in his grace, what does he say to us by the Spirit of God in Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith that we call it? What does it say? And it says, what more shall I say? This is Hebrews 11 verse 32. What more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson? And Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Can you imagine being in the same sentence as some of those men? What a joy that would be. And there is Samson, in spite of all of that. And so I want to encourage you tonight, men and ladies, that if you are struggling with an area, if you're struggling with your passions, if you're struggling with your emotions, if you're struggling, struggling with your will, you're in good company Because most of us in this room probably are or have been or will struggle. Because again, we are flesh. But guess what? If the Spirit of God is in you, you have the ability to resist that. And I would encourage you not to cave in. We live in a culture that caves in on everything. Have you noticed that? Caving, caving, caving. As as I look at the news, I see institutions uh, just caving in left and right. There's... They have no backbone whatsoever. Shame on them all. But you, brother and sister, you have the ability to stand in Christ. In Christ alone. And what a wonderful joy it is to be his child. Amen? Everyone smile. Especially those of you. Smile, because it is such a blessing to be his child. Let's now read the very last chapter here. Uh, Let's just read the first 22 verses. We're just going to read through it, and then we're going to go and pick it apart, okay? It says, Now Samson, he went to Gaza, and right there, the the key changes to minor. (laughs) The key changes to minor. (laughs) Now Samson went to Gaza, and he saw a harlot there, and he went into her. And when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place, and they lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight, and he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, and the two gate posts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Afterward it happened, and here's another, the, the key gets even darker, the key changes now to A-flat minor. Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came to her and said to her, Entice him, and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. And so the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. 
But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. And so the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me, and you've told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. And so he said to her, If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, and bear with me, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me with what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. And so she wove it tightly with the batten, with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he woke from his sleep. He pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. And then she said to him, How can you say I love you? When your heart is not with me. You've mocked me these three times and he have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily. Let me say that again just because it feels good. She pestered him daily with her words. Repeat after me. She pestered him daily. One more time. She pestered him daily with her words and pressed him, pressed him like a grape so that his soul was vexed to death. Emphasis mine, that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak like any other man. And when Delilah saw that she had told, that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up and brought her the money in their hand, and then she lulled him to sleep on her knees. Lullaby, Betty, bye, go to sleep now, my dear Samson. She lulled him to sleep on her knees, called for a man and had shave and had him shave off the seven locks of his head, and then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And so he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and they put out his eyes and they brought him down to Gaza and they bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow after it had been shaven. Let's go back to verse 1 here. This is an interesting thing. It says, now Samson went to Gaza, and he saw a harlot there. And Gaza, if you remember, was one of the five great cities of the Philistines. Gaza and Ashkelon, Ekron, Ashdod, and Gath were five major cities of the Philistines. They each had a lord that presented or presided over them. And so now he goes to Gaza. And what is it that he sees? He says he saw a harlot. And this is the second time at least we see this word because we know that in Judges 14, the first time in Samson's career, we hear this word where he went down to Timnah, which was another city of, of, of the Philistines, Philistines, and he saw a woman there. And the idea behind this word saw is he just didn't look at her. He studied her. He looked at her. You know the difference. There's a difference between looking at somebody, acknowledging that they're there, man, and then there's another look that we can give. And ladies, you can do the same thing. It's a little bit longer of a gaze. And even after the person has gone away, you're replaying replaying it in your mind. You're thinking, 
that's what it was with Samson. He studied her. He gazed at her. He looked longly upon her. It's an unfortunate thing. It means to inspect. He seemed to have this thing for Philistine women. It's an amazing thing. Not only was Samson engaging in fornication, but he was also having relations with women whom, from nations whom God had pronounced judgment upon. So we see that not only is he a fornicator, but he's also going against the revealed will of God. And what is the revealed will of God? Well, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, what does it say? You should not commit adultery. That includes fornication, by the way. So that is one thing. And also in Exodus chapter 34, what did Moses tell the children of Israel before they would cross the Jordan and go into the promised land, into a people that they had to conquer, into a people that they had to dispossess? What did, what did God tell Moses to tell the children of Israel. He says, take heed to yourself. This is Exodus 34, verse 12. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars. You shall break their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images, for you shall worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods. And one of them invites you, and you eat of this sacrifice, and you take of his daughters for your sons, and his daughters play the harlot with their gods and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. And so he's saying, when you go into the land, don't make, have any covenant with them. Don't marry them. Don't get in the midst of them. You are to destroy them. And why is it? Is it because God is prejudiced? Is God a racist? And I bring that up because of the environment we're in now. No, this had nothing to do with race at all. Was a Philistine human being, was that any different than any other person? No. That person, that Philistine, was able to receive Christ. And does God love that Philistine? You better believe he does. But the difference is sin. He gave the Philistines, he gave the Canaanites, those seven nations that Israel would go in and dispossess, he gave them at least... He gave them hundreds of years to repent. You can read Genesis 15, and the promise is there. He gave them years, hundreds of years as a country, as a culture, as a people to repent, and they would not. They continued in their abominations. They continued in sacrificing their children to their false gods. They continued in adultery and fornication. And there comes a time when your number is up. And God has to judge. Why? Is it because he's a racist? No. He's a God of justice. He's a God of love. A God of love gave them, some, gave them several hundreds of years. That was, that was kind of ironic, wasn't it? God of justice. Zap! All right, let's go home. <laughs> no, God gave them several hundred years to turn. But they would not. That is a God of grace. Never forget the grace of God when you read these things, okay? So often we can just gloss over them and we think that God is this angry God who just wants to punish people. No, he gives hundreds of years. And for individuals, he gives us decades to turn from our sin. He's a good God. He always has been. I love him for that. But the question I have for Samson is, why did he go down to Gaza again? This is the second time that we hear of him second recorded time that he's um, fraternizing with these Philistine girls. What was wrong with the girls of Dan? 
of the tribe that he was from or the other children of Israel. It's interesting that the scripture records only his encounters with Philistine women. Forbidden. They were verboten. <laughs> they were verboten. And those he shouldn't have had communications with anyway. Why did he still do it? Well, let me offer you a couple of possible answers. Perhaps there was less resistance with the heathen women, with the women from other nations who didn't have God as their God. They were much looser in the sense of their morals. They had, no, they had a lack of morals. And Samson was a man who was governed by his desires, and so rather than pleasing the Lord... And remember what the Bible says about this period of time. What does it say in Judges 17, verse 16? In those days, there was no king in Israel. And here's the scary part. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And he repeats it again in chapter 21, verse 25, the exact same thing. The culture seemed as if it was a kind of, if it feels good, do it kind of culture. And by the way, we live in that culture, do we not? If it feels good, just do it. There's very little morals in our country today, folks, and you are the last stand. And when God removes us, when Jesus removes us from this earth, believe me, the hordes of hell are going to come in in a full force. It will be a tsunami like we've never seen before. And thank God we won't be here to see it. And hopefully that will stir us enough to go out and share the truth in love with those that we care about because they could be left behind. They could be left behind. What was another thing that perhaps the reason he did this? Perhaps it was a way he could quickly satisfy his lust with none or very little accountability. I mean, after all, this place was 30-plus miles away from his hometown. Nobody was supposed to go there. What a great place to go and be a chameleon and hide. No accountability. Even his mom and his dad wondered why he couldn't find just a good Jewish girl. What did they say in Judges 14? It says, and Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw a woman of, in Timnah, of the daughters of the Philistines, and he went up and told his father, saying, I have seen a woman. I've inspected her. I've observed her for quite a long time till I'm ashamed. I've seen a woman in Timnah, of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. And then his mother and father, they say, is there not a woman among the daughters of your brethren or among my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? In other words, Samson, don't you understand? Even his mom and dad knew the law. They knew what they were supposed to do, but he's like, no, I must have her. And so the dad, he caves in. He just says, okay, son, I'll go and get her for you. I love what Solomon said to his son when he wrote Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 24, it says this. One of the reasons the Proverbs are written, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire in his, to his bosom? And his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? The answer to the rhetorical question is no, you can't. You hold fire to your bosom, you're going to get burned. You walk on coals, you're going to get burned. And yet we see this same thing being played over and over again, not just with the young people, but unfortunately we see a lot of older people who should know better, even people in the church going out, looking, viewing, 
So verse 2, when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they were quiet all night, saying in the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. He had a bounty on his head because of what he had done in chapter... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.